2: I'm Marisa Lagos. I'm in today for Mina Kim. Our next guest, John Paul Brammer, writes the popular column Hola Papi, which he started in 2017 when dating app Grindr launched the LGBTQ site Into and needed steady content. He soon realized he'd tapped into a trove of unmet demand for gay dating advice from how to survive bullies to how to survive the pandemic while single. Brammer, who grew up in rural Oklahoma, has written for various publications, including The Guardian, Teen Vogue, The Trevor Project, Condé Nast, and Netflix. He joins us now to talk about his new memoir, Hola Papi, How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot, and Other Life Lessons. It is based on his column. John Paul Brammer, welcome to Forum.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, I'm happy you're here. I've been having a lot of fun reading your advice columns, which are really more like memoirs, snippets of your life. Um, I, I, I want to know, you know, to start with sort of how this came about. I mentioned that it, 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 Grinder had something to do with it. So can you explain it for like the is. uninitiated why a dating app site <laughs> wanted to go into the editorial route and how did you kind of come to that?
1: Why indeed? Um, I think they were trying to go the Playboy route of like, I'm just here for the articles, but for Grindr (laughs) instead of Playboy, um, which I found to be altogether sexy and interesting. So, of course, I was down. And what I originally planned to do was it was going to be entirely parody. So the joke was like, what if Dear Abby was a gay Mexican man on Grindr? What advice would he have to give? And it was going to sort of poke fun at the whole idea of advice giving. Um, But then in the end, when the letters started coming in, they were so heartfelt, they were so intense that I realized I couldn't just have it be merely a parody forever. So I started taking it more seriously. And that's sort of the DNA of Ola Papi. It's a little bit funny. It plays with the fourth wall a little bit, but at the end of the day, very heartwarming as well.
2: All right. And before we get into the details, I I think we got to explain the the title as well. Ola Papi is what people that's how people were greeting you on Grindr. Is that right?
1: Yes, um, because I'm a Latino on a dating app, I often get weird messages, <laughs> some of which are <laughs> hola papi. Um, and I've been getting hola papied for years. So even back in my skinny twink days, people were calling me poppy, And I'm like, I don't know if I'm really a poppy necessarily, but it- it's clearly just something they're willing to throw around at anyone who's a Latino man. So it's and this a isn't bit of an just
2: from of- Latinos, right? This is from anyone?
1: This is from anyone. This is predominantly not from other Latinos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> other Latinos, I I know I always know because they say, sup, pa, instead of hola, papi. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, prof- I'm, I'm very fluent in the language of gay dating apps at this point after years of experience. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a reclamation. It's a little bit of turning it around and making it my own thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned that you kind of thought of it as a joke. But, uh, you know, what strikes me is like advice columns have typically been the purview of kind of uptight white ladies i mean you know and and, and and you are turning this on its head i mean did you take any inspiration from the kind of typical dear abby or like were you really trying to push that out of your mind as you started
1: oh i absolutely did because at the beginning all i had was really like pop cultural knowledge of what an advice column looked and sounded like i wasn't like a historian on the matter until later when i started looking into it And what I found actually is that the advice column has historically been a unique pathway for people who weren't allowed to write in other things, sort of being able to find their own voice. So historically, it was a place where a lot of women writers could actually make a name for themselves because it was one of the few places where they were allowed to sort of do their own thing and be trusted with publication. So it's kind of funny that it's always been a place for marginalized writers to be able to find their voice and make a name for themselves.
2: That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Wow. Um, we're talking with uh, J.P. Brammer. He is a writer and advice columnist, with, uh, and he has a new memoir out called Ola Poppy, How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot and Other Life Lessons. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what dating advice do you need right now? What are you dying to ask J.P.? Or do you have some dating advice for single people? We're at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. Um, Well, JP, let's... So you write in your book, I'd grown up in the Oklahoma countryside where my only real exposure to gayness had been through the judges on America's Top Model and an estranged uncle on the white side of the family who was too busy chain-smoking and drinking Franzia out of a box to make idle (laughs) chit-chat. Tell us about, like, your journey coming out as a gay man. I mean, the second chapter of your book is actually about having a girlfriend. Um, How did you kind of, like... Like, what was your journey there and and how has it influenced these columns?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of my book is about lacking a mentor figure for most of my life and then accidentally finding myself in a position of being one. Mm. So it was really a matter of growing up in a rural area where I didn't have that gay friend. I didn't have an authority figure to sort of introduce me to what the life looked like. I didn't know there was a world out there waiting for me where I could be gay, where I could meet other gay people. And I think to that end, me meeting Grindr was sort of a match made in heaven in a way because putting the column out through this app that spreads around the whole world, I was able to connect with people from cultures I've never been in, countries I've never visited. Um, So it's almost like no connection versus hyper connection. Um, And that's sort of what I wanted to explore in the book, this idea of meeting your community in really unconventional ways, the way that LGBTQ people have kind of historically had to. Yeah.
2: Well, and you, I mean, you also write about bullying and suicide and and very serious topics. Um, I'm curious, like, what, do you feel like this is a column that is mostly being read just by queer people or has the audience expanded as your, um, you know, platforms have expanded?
1: (laughs) One thing I've learned after seeing the metrics at the various places I've brought this column and just on anecdotal evidence is that Hola Poppy's kind of for moms. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: Shoot, moms. I'm being seen right now.
1: <laughs> moms just love this column and I always get the same message. i always get, "Hey, listen, I am a straight cis lady, but" <laughs> and then it's what it is much they appreciate the column. And I just love that because, you know, I think what makes the column a big gay column is the fact that I'm gay, not who's reading it. Um I have a perspective to offer people. And I think that's part of being a human is listening to what other people have to say who maybe don't live the same kind of life as you or come from a different experience i think that's really cool and beautiful
2: right and a lot of what you're writing about whether it's you know connected to your queer identity are universal issues right around friendship and relationships and identity um I want to get into all of that after the break. I actually got an email from a colleague who was so excited I was talking to you because she had read one of your columns about uh, Latin identity. So we will get to that. Um, we're talking with J.P. Brammer. He is a writer and advice columnist. His new book is called Hola Poppy: How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot and Other Life Lessons. We'll have to ask him about that Walmart parking lot as well. <laughs> um, we want to know what dating advice you need. What are you dying to ask J.P. Um, about dating your sexuality racial identity he really covers the gamut you can give us a call at 866-733-6786 that's 866-733-6786 and you can get on touch on twitter or facebook we're at kqed forum and both sites you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org we'll be right back
0: support for forum comes from san francisco opera
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in today for Mina Kim, and we are talking to J.P. Brammer, writer and advice columnist of Hola Papi. Uh, J.P., I want to bring in Jerome, one of our callers from San Jose. Jerome, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so I'm an older uh, gay man, about uh, in my mid-70s, and— Uh, Most of my friends uh, died during the AIDS epidemic, and I pursued a career, and I didn't
0: make new friends, and now in retirement, I find myself uh, without friends, uh, without potential sexual partners, and I don't know where to look, because uh, the ads have disappeared from Craigslist and other places due to FOSTA-SESTA, the Sex Trafficking Act, so I don't know where to, like, you know, even advertised and the gay bars here have like either shut down or gone out of business uh, in San Jose. So where does a person my age look for companionship
2: and possible sexual partners? JP, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of what Jerome is talking about really points to so many of the systemic issues going on in this country where queer spaces are really disappearing um, there's a lot of really harsh legislation that's sort of cracking down disproportionately on LGBTQ people, and that really sucks. Um, one thing that I've had a lot of um, good luck doing is just joining random clubs that aren't really advertising themselves as gay, but end up being gay. So <laughs> I, I really enjoy these, like, hiking groups, for example, because if all else fails, I get to go on a nice hike. Right. <laughs> but... I also get to meet people on the way who, even if I'm not like a potential romantic partner for them, they have friends and they have friends of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So connection can be really hard. So I try to find mutual interest that way. Something that I would enjoy doing, even if, you know, the best possible scenario doesn't work out, because then it's sort of a win-win, right? You try to minimize your losses.
2: Totally. My sister might kill me for telling this, but she's queer. And actually, she, like, made some of her best friends in the Bay Area when she first moved back here by, like, answering a Craigslist ad. And they they were just lesbian women who wanted to make new friends. And it's, like, some of her best friends in life. So, yeah, you never know, I guess. Totally.
1: No, I'm totally in favor of that. I think we should destigmatize the idea of meeting people through the Internet, even Craigslist.
2: Well, and also my understanding... uh, I am married, so I'm not like the the most fluent on these dating app sites. But is that you can use some of these sites for platonic relationships as well as sexual relationships, right? I mean, that is not totally out of bounds in some of these places.
1: Oh yeah, I have found myself moving city to city now and then because I live a very chaotic lifestyle, and I've met amazing friends through Grindr, through Tinder. Um, It's not always just, you know, failed hookups going on on those apps. Sometimes it can lead to more or sometimes good hookups, even.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. All right. We have another caller, James from Oakland. James, welcome to Forum. You there, James? Oh, let's bring in Yolanda. Yolanda from Richmond. Oh, hey, hi. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I, I have
0: a question.
2: It, it's, I am Mexican.
0: I have a giant Mexican
2: family. And my kid, a pretty young child, came out as non-binary. And so I'm just wondering if there's any advice on how to have that conversation with older generations who um, this is very new for them. And, and it's, it can be, you know, trying to get support and respect. Uh, in something that's very um, foreign to that culture. Uh, I don't think it's foreign to the culture, but uh, we don't talk about it as much. Oh, yeah. This is an amazing question, JP. Have you Uh, tackled this one in your columns or have thoughts on this? I'm
1: tackling this in my life right now um, because so my abuelo uh, grew up very poor, had to really fight for everything he had in his life always wanted to be a writer but wasn't able to pursue that because he had to provide for his family um and now I find myself in the position of having a book out and it's doing really well and I wanted my abuelo to see it but then my family was sort of like yeah but you know he doesn't know you're gay um he doesn't know there's some things in the book that might shock him and surprise him and so I've been wrestling with this idea of like I just want my abuelo to be able to share in the success that he made possible for me. But I feel like I can't because of my identity and because of exactly what Yolanda is talking about, that older generation, um, not knowing how they feel about certain things, maybe not having all the cultural context for everything. Um, so I just want to say I really appreciate people like Yolanda who is accepting of their child. I think that's beautiful. That's amazing. Just being there for them in that way um, is so heartwarming to me. And, you know, when approaching that conversation with your family, I think it might be a good idea to not worry about letting your child take the lead because they probably know how they want to be addressed, how they want to come out or not to certain people. Um, I think that they hold more wisdom than sometimes we give them credit for. Um, So in my case, for example, I would be really terrified if anyone in my family Decided to disclose my identity to another member of my family without me knowing. Um, So I think you're already doing the right thing. You're having conversations with your kid. You're listening. You're being accepting. And I think letting them take the lead in that situation is a great idea.
2: So, JP, I I assumed you were out to your whole family. What? um, I I assume your parents know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that was that a difficult conversation? I mean, I know um, in that first essay about bullying in the book, you really talk about denying it very strongly as a teenager when you are accused of being homosexual.
1: Right. Um, I grew up in such a weird family in that even though we were in a very rural part of the country and everyone around us was very conservative, my parents have always been very open minded. Um, my mom is friends with a lot of gay men. Um, And in many ways, she sort of purposely raised a gay son, like she was always like, I was watching America's Next Top Model on my couch on the farm (laughs) for years (laughs) of my life. Um, So I've always been very open with my family. It's just that, you know, being from where I'm from, the environment that I was in, I just didn't feel safe. And that feeling of not feeling safe, no matter how much your parents love you, sometimes it just can't overcome that raw fear of like, I can't do this here. Um, Well, and it wasn't
2: unfounded. I mean, you got attacked essentially by people you had considered friends right in middle school.
1: Exactly. And the brain is very good at trying to protect you from things and sometimes overprotect you from things. So a lot of that fear that I took in as a kid, sort of, I kept with me for a long time, even when I knew my parents would accept me, it didn't really matter. My immediate environment was so hostile. Um, And I think alleviating that is really important for the next generation of queer people, because I just don't want anyone to have to deal with that same situation.
2: Absolutely. Well, Rebecca writes, I wanted to know if JP from JP, if there are instances in which the trajectory of his life was more positively shaped by being gay as opposed to being a heterosexual Hispanic man.
1: Oh, I would say most of it um, has been positive. I mean, just the raw fact of being me is something that I love. It's something that I can't imagine living without. Um, It has really made me feel like I'm able to see the world, to see life through a lens that maybe some other people don't have. And I feel incredibly privileged for it. Uh, And just meeting the people I've met, people who challenge my ideas on things, people who challenge my perceptions on what life can even look like. um, It's just been really magical. and It's been amazing. And it's the reason this book is out, which has brought me so
0: much joy. (laughs)
2: Got that that, that whole career built off. The whole career has
1: been founded on it. Exactly.
2: (laughs) We're talking with J.P. Brammer, writer and advice columnist, and he has a new memoir called "Olaf Poppy: How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot and Other Life Lessons. If you have dating advice you want to ask or just questions for J.P., since he's now an expert in everything, um, give us a call (laughs) at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed dot .org well you we were talking a little bit ago about your abuelo and I mentioned that you um have written in I think in the book and also in various columns and and other places about your latino identity um and one of them is a 2018 column which was I'm white and mexican why do I feel like a fake latina and um I really identified with this. This is a I, I think something if you did not grow up, say, speaking Spanish in a household, um, but you have, you know, Latino heritage um, in my case, like I grew up in San Diego. So I've, I always sort of felt like a fraud because I wasn't, you know, like we didn't speak Spanish and um, that was not the part of my sort of cultural history that my family was most in touch with. Uh, Talk about that, the question, because it seems like it's something you've gotten a lot. And it's something that you've kind of thought about yourself. You even went to go work at a tortilla factory, I believe, at one point to try to to be more Latino.
1: I sure did. That was a rough patch in my life, but it made a great chapter for a book. right? I I think that the biggest difference between the way I saw my Mexican-American Chicano identity back then and the way I see it now, has a lot to do with how I see loss, because when I was younger, all I could think of was the things I didn't have. And I thought that the things I didn't have sort of constituted a dangerous lack. It was a lack of identity. It was a lack of substance. It was things I needed to get, things I needed to attain if I wanted to feel authentic. But what I realized now that I'm older is that loss is a very active thing. Loss is a living ingredient to who we are. And so my abuelo's you know, not teaching me Spanish because they struggled with English so much. My abuela had to drop out of elementary school because she didn't understand English very well, and she did manual labor. Uh, When I look at stuff like that, I think those were decisions they made to try to navigate this country easier. There were things they cut loose to try to move lighter. And I think that loss, the things that you lose, the things you don't have, is just as much... um, it's just as important as the things that you do have. And so for me, not speaking Spanish is a testament to the legacy that my abuelos lived. It's a testament to the kind of life they had to live. And seeing it that way has made me feel a lot easier in my own skin and just realizing that, no, that's part of my heritage. That's part of my culture as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like, in, in all ways, you have become comfortable in your, more comfortable in your own skin. Um, I'm curious, do you feel like writing this column and, and the reflection has been kind of a key part of that?
1: Oh, it's been amazing for me. I mean, I'm so privileged. I get People send me letters and they give me a little slice of their lives and I get them in my inbox every once in a while and I get to read them and reflect on them and have them challenge my views in a way. Um, and yeah, it's forced me to reflect quite a bit on myself and what answers I want to give because I don't want to give anyone the wrong answer ever. Um, so it's been great for me and as someone who enjoys just sitting around and thinking a lot, um, it's a perfect job for me. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It seems like you're having some fun. (laughs) You're listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. I want to bring in Marina from San Francisco. Marina, you are on Forum. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so my question is, I'm Gen X. I'm a trans woman. I don't have a whole lot of dating experience i've tried apps like okcupid and hinge i belong to hiking clubs but i just haven't had much luck do you have any recommendations for me
2: thanks marina jp solve it all
1: (laughs) fix everything yeah i would say that this is the most common question i get in my inbox which is just like how do i meet people Mm -hmm. um so what it does tell me is that a lot of us are lonely i mean i would even say like i'm lonely as well these days i'm like how do i date how do i find people and i think the answer at the end of the day is that it's hard it's difficult to keep putting yourself out there and not getting the response you want back but the thing is it kind of only has to work once or every once in a little while um so i think it's more important to keep your self-esteem up you know be a person who is a fan of yourself, who loves yourself, because this process is not easy for anyone, really. I think we have this idea that for everyone but us, it's working out. Um, and in my case, I, I happen to know that's not, that's not true. Um, so, yes, it's difficult. And I wish I could tell you some surefire advice that would lead you to the one or at least just a nice date or something. Um, but I don't really have that for anyone. Cause if I did, I would be using it for myself. <laughs> totally.
2: <laughs> um, thanks for the call thanks Marina too. though. I think this is really important. And I, and I love that like just having you on, I think is, um, you know, opening up sort of different types of callers than we might always get. Um, JP, let's talk about the pandemic and dating because I feel like this is related. I mean, it's not just that it's hard to meet people, period. It's that this last year we've been isolated. We've been told to stay away from strangers. Um, It's like, you know, there's so much sort of I think there's so much pressure, especially at the beginning, to to really keep your circle tight, and that's like the opposite of what somebody who's single wants to be doing. Um, what I mean, what advice have you been giving around this? And and I know particularly one person was wrote to you and said, "I'm almost thirty; like I I, I should be you know basically married by now."
1: Right? Yeah. One thing that the pandemic has taught me is how to navigate that pressure, um, because I feel it too. This idea that at a certain age, I should have a life partner. I should be going on better dates. I should be, romance should be a bigger part of my life. Um, And there's just been, it's just been the case that it hasn't been, but one thing it has taught me is a lot of perspective. So I really thought that once I started dating again, um, kind of being able to meet people outside of isolation, not just on a zoom date, but at a bar somewhere that I would be more awkward, that I would be worse, that I would have forgotten how to be a person but actually i think that i've lowered the stakes quite a bit for myself in a healthy way because i'm like listen we just went through this extremely traumatic event over the past year and a half we were locked in our rooms we couldn't really go out if this date isn't the best date i've ever been on i think i'm going to survive (laughs) that's not the worst thing that could happen (laughs) so i actually feel more comfortable having discussions with people i feel more comfortable getting drinks and having a conversation with someone because even if it doesn't go the way I want it to I'm just like wow it's nice that I'm able to see someone though it's nice that I'm able to go on a date at all um so managing expectations I think is the key to a lot of happiness in life
2: yeah do you have like favorite questions or types of questions or ones that you're just like oh god I am so sick of fielding that <laughs>
1: I mean, my favorite questions as Ola Papi are the truly unhinged ones, and I get a lot of those. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites was this guy who was like, so I've had this boyfriend for a while, and he's Colombian, but then he invited me to his Thanksgiving dinner with his family, and his family says they're not Colombian, so he's been pretending to be Latino this oh whole time. God. And I'm just like, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you even go with Can
1: that? You repeat that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not often that given the kind of advice I give, it can be very esoteric, it can be very abstract. But every once in a while, I like to do the whole, like, break up with them, sis, type thing that you go into advice giving to do. And that's one situation where I'm like, yeah, you need to end that relationship.
2: Do you ever, like, r- like follow up with people and be like, actually, I have another question from your question <laughs> before I write this?
1: <laughs> um, people sometimes follow up with me. I never really send one back because I think that sometimes they're just using the advice column letter as a way to sort of vent or get their problem out into the world and then sort of let it go. So Mm -hmm. I try not to do that too much. But I do receive letters back from people sometimes. They've all been really positive and they've all been lovely. Um, There's only one (laughs) that was like kind of weird and funny. Um, It was from this person who said that her queer workspace was discriminating against her for being a Taurus because they were all like Aquariuses or something. And she was like, what do I do? And so I gave some, you know, like ho-hum advice, like, oh, you should probably look for another job. And then she was, she sent me this like really frenzied response, like, oh my God, they found the letter. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what did they do to you? What did the Aquariuses do to you? <laughs>
2: Um, I want to bring in just a couple more comments. One listener wants you to know, don't ever assume how a grandparent will respond. The love they hold for you overcomes much. They're often more open than you could imagine. Tell them. So there you go. Some advice for you, Jamie. <laughs> um, Thank you. And Gary writes that during my dating days, I found that doing what I enjoy, as you said, was quite successful. Hiking, backpacking, skiing. So I did these with Sierra singles section of the Bay Area Sierra Club. And this immersed me in a group of single people with common interest. By the way, the chapter has a section for gay folks. Thank you, Gary, for that good advice. If you like getting outside, check out the Sierra Club. Um, Well, we're approaching just the last minute of our show, but JP, I'm curious, like, your last comment just made me wonder, like, do you think people actually really want advice or do they just want to kind of be heard?
1: I think it's both. Yeah. Um, But I think the latter is even more powerful. I think it's that they want to be heard. They want their problems to be validated, and they want an authority figure or a mentor figure to kind of tell them what to do.
2: <laughs> and you are that person. J.P. Brammer, thank you so much. The Chicano Carrie Bradshaw, as he's called himself, is the writer of Olá Poppy. Check out his book, uh, which is called Olá Poppy: How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot and Other Life Lessons. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Forms produced by Tina Lorberg, Blanca Torres, Susan Britton, Caroline Smith, and our acting senior editor is Judy Campbell. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Thanks for joining us.
0: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.